0: But I like to find people who that's their one thing. That's their core competency. They have the 10,000 hours, as Malcolm Gladwell would say. You know, they're, they're the experts. They put, in the, they put in the time. They have the experience. I like to team up with people like that. And, and in my experience, that's been, you know, a big part of our success is teaming up with great people.
1: welcome to investing in the u.s an aussie's guide to u.s real estate a podcast for international investors and real estate entrepreneurs looking to break into the u.s market g'day g'day ladies and gentlemen and welcome to another cracking edition of investing in the u.s podcast from los angeles i'm your host reed goosens Good as always to have you with us on the show. I'm glad you've all tuned in to learn from my incredible guests. And hopefully these guests will inspire you to go out and take massive amounts of action towards your financial and investing goals. This show is for anyone who wants to invest here in the United States of America, in real estate business, or as an entrepreneur. As you know, I'm all about sharing the loyal listeners, I'm all about sharing the knowledge, I should say, with my loyal listeners. And there's absolutely no BS on this show, just straight into the nuts and bolts. If you do like this show, please give us a review on iTunes and you can follow me on Facebook. Facebook, and Twitter by searching at Reed Goossens. Also, just one last note, if you are listening through this uh, show through your ear holes, you can now jump on my website and see these video recordings each and every week up on my YouTube channel. So head over to reedgoossens.com. You can check out uh, the video recordings. You can see my ugly mug, but you can see the beautiful faces of my guests each and every week. All right, enough out of me. Let's get cracking and into today's show. Today on the show, the pleasure of speaking with David Zook. David is a successful business owner and real estate investor active in the multifamily space self-storage and resort community development with real estate holdings in several states and countries around the world. Dave and his investors own well in excess of $150 million worth of real estate, which they've acquired since 2010. And he has more than 3,000 multifamily units in his portfolio in some of the hottest job markets in Texas and Memphis, Tennessee. To top it all off, David is the lead investor in the planning and development of the largest resort community, Mahogany Bay Village, on the island in a beaut- on the beautiful Belize in Central America, which has been rated the number one island in the world two years in a row by TripAdvisor and is at the fastest growing region in the Caribbean. Pretty excited to have David on the show, to say the least, but enough out of me. Let's get him out here. G'day, Dave. Welcome to the show. How are you doing today, mate?
0: Hey, I'm doing good. Thanks for having me on your show, Reid. My pleasure. Well,
1: mate, to start it all off, I was pretty very impressive bloody introduction there. Um, do you want to maybe just rewind the clock back uh, to tell me how you first made your first ever dollar? I'm not talking about real estate because we'll get into that story in a minute. I'm talking about how you made your first ever dollar as a kid and how you got inspired to be an entrepreneur, you know, absolutely crushing it here in the United States. Oh man, how far back you want to go? So,
0: uh, the first time I remember as as a true entrepreneur when I was probably uh, about six years old, I was uh, at my dad's place of business. Mm -hmm. Uh, I I belonged to a a really strong entrepreneurial family and a strong business family. And uh, so, I was at my dad's place of business. I think he, he was sort of babysitting me for the day, but I was five or six years old and I got this idea that if I would nail a couple blocks together and make something kind of just something homemade and I'd bring it out to a customer that was, you know, out looking around at our modular buildings, they, they would, they would buy it from me for a dollar or whatever it was. And uh, so they, I, I think they just, so sorry for the poor Amish kid that was out there <laughs> trying to make a buck, but uh, that was my first entrepreneurial venture. But uh, fast forward a little bit. Um, ever since I was in my early teens, I had a uh, an entrepreneurial streak, and and when I got into my late teens, I started investing, and and uh, you know I I invested in our, you know several different ventures, and and I had a, a trucking company where I used the, the uh, trucks and trailers that I bought to um, haul the modular buildings that we built in our family business. And uh, so that's where it started. I was, I was into business, not so much real estate. And, and by design, I, uh, my dad was uh, a very successful uh, business owner and, and he took his money that he made in his business, in his business and he parked it in real estate and he self-managed some of that real estate. And he actually did very well with the, with the real estate that he bought uh, from a capital gains perspective uh, over the years. But I saw how some of that self-managed uh, managed real estate was working and I just decided, you know what, there's got to be a, a better way to make money than this. And so I specifically went out into the world thinking that I'm never going to invest in real estate. Well. Fast forward a couple of years after I started a couple of businesses and partnered with several businesses and sold a business or two, I got myself in a position where I was paying hundreds of thousands of dollars in tax per year. And, and, uh, I, I really, when I, when I tell people how to, how I got into the real estate space, I I usually tell them I got chased into it for, for uh, tax reasons. So through a lot of education, reading, reading Robert Kiyosaki, rich dad, poor dad, uh, finally, You know, I got to the point where where I realized uh, investing in real estate can be not only a good cash flow vehicle, but it can also be a a really good tax protection vehicle. So I got got chased into real estate uh, because of my tax problem.
1: But it sounds like you've had just the most, you know, probably the best upbringing you could possibly ask for in terms of your dad's business being nurtured in that family environment to then going off and having, you know, essentially the kahunas to, to go and start your own businesses and then be successful in that. But, but also learning from your dad and, and, the, and the, the, good, the good decisions that he made by placing his excess cash into real estate and, as a tax shelter and also then to grow it as a sort of capital gains point of view. So that's, that's pretty, pretty awesome too. Not, not everyone has that ability to just, you know, as you said, be chased into real estate,
0: right? Absolutely. And, you know, I I'm, I feel extremely blessed to be a part of the part of the family that I was uh, born and raised in and and, you know, how I got taught from a from a young kid um, about business and entrepreneurship and and all that. And, you know, I grew up in it, so I didn't know anything different. But I, <laughs> you know, now that I look back, I I appreciate it a lot.
1: Right. So walk me through now you know you got you you you've been active in the in the as an entrepreneur starting a handful of businesses but you've got involved in real estate. So are those other businesses still active today or are you purely focused on real estate investing 100% of the time?
0: They are still active today. I I did sell a business that I owned I sold that business two or three years ago. It's a trailer manufacturing business. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, the, the modular business, uh, the family business uh, that I helped run with my dad and my three brothers, that's alive and, and doing very well. Uh, I have a sales and marketing company. Um, uh, there, there are several businesses that I own that, we, that are still active and, and doing really well.
1: Fantastic. And the, the, the modular home business, I would imagine that you're, you're actually on absolutely on fire right now with all the people wanting to invest in, in mobile home parks. Is is that what the type of modular homes you're doing?
0: So no, that is not the type of home. Ah, Okay. That's not the type of modular buildings that we're building. Most of the, of the buildings that we're building have to do with either equine horse, uh, modular (laughs) horse barns or uh, modular garages. Let's, let's say you own, you know, two acres, and you got a house, and you got a small garage, small one-car garage, off to the side of the house. Um, you call us, and we can bring out a two-story, two-car garage, and we can bring it in. It's it's uh, you know about eighty-five percent built. Uh, mm-hmm. We we bring it in, we wheeled in where you want it. We we set it up. When you go to work in the morning, you've got an empty space there. When you come home from work that evening, you've got a finished out two-car garage there waiting for you. Wow. So that's that's uh, sort of what we specialize in. Wow,
1: fantastic. Uh, so I'm going to geek out here a little bit. I'm a, my, my, my former trade is a, I was a structural engineer uh, and civil engineer. So do you guys pour the slabs and stuff like that you know, to, to have sort of some sort of foundation to then build the, the structure off? Yes. Fantastic! Oh, and you get to pour it all in one day. That's fantastic.
0: No, typically the concrete gets poured before we get there. So right. we'll send a we'll send a crew out. You know, a week, or, you know, a couple days, a week, two weeks, depending on the situation. But yeah, that gets done before we get there with the buildings.
1: Fantastic! Yeah, I, I, there's a lot of modular construction, and I could imagine you guys have been approached by I don't know if you are being approached, but just the way the way construction is being done on site. You know, I, I've been involved in a lot of construction in the years and. It's very, you know, we have all this technology, but yet we still can't figure out how the on-site construction in which we can make it, as you're saying, modular. And so we can reduce scheduled time, you can reduce waste, and you can essentially save money for for, for your clients uh, by by bringing it in-house and systemizing the whole process. But I know we're sort of on the cusp. I've been talking with a lot of different uh, modular, uh, actually, hotel uh, modular hotel uh, construction guys, where they come and they do the, the kitchens and the bathrooms all at once, and they sort of it comes stacked on site, like like Macano set, and then they build up. And um, but the, the problem with that sort of modular construction, and I don't want to get off on a tangent, is that you from from a code point of view, you're building the roof and the floor, so you have a double uh, redundant system. And I don't know if you've had any uh, experience with any of that sort of stuff.
0: Yeah, I mean the big advantage here is not only the you know being efficient on the cost part of it, but but building, you're building in a controlled environment where, right. you know, your jigs and patterns are right there on the floor. You're building it inside. It doesn't matter if it's raining outside or if it's, you know, <laughs> if it's sun, if it's sunny, it's 110 degrees out or whatever. You're building it in a controlled environment. So when you do that, your standard of quality is, is, uh, you know, pretty consistent. Right. So that, that's the other big advantage and we can be, you know, cost is another one. We can, we can be, you know, really efficient on the cost side.
1: That's fantastic. That's, and, and through that business, which is clearly a family business is has been, been, been around for many, many years, you're, you're putting all the profits into real estate. So let's get into real estate and tell me a little bit about, you know, your, in the introduction, I had mentioned that you are involved or you own in your portfolio over 3,000 multifamily apartment units. That's incredible. How have you been able to juggle both running a, a successful modular construction business and also invest at the same
0: time? So there is, uh, I'm a big... Uh, I'm a big team guy. I like to have really good people around me so that I don't have to be the uh, guy on the ground doing everything. So <laughs> on our on our on our modular on our modular building business, I got three brothers, and, mm-hmm. and my dad is still active in the business. And you know, we all sort of have our own sort of compartments or areas that we work in, and we also sort of have our own responsibilities. On the on the multifamily side. I'm not the guy that's out there, boots in the ground, managing. I got a partner that's uh, that's also a you know does the property management uh, mm-hmm. piece of it. So you know he manages only the properties that we own. We don't do any third-party management.
1: Interesting. Um,
0: so he's the boots on the ground guy. I'm the guy. He's he's the guy that that makes these properties perform. It's his job. You know, once we get the property through closing and we now own it. Now it's his job to go out there. Him and his team go out there and make that property perform. So, really, the way that I can be involved in the modular building business, the um, ATM business, the <laughs> multifamily business, uh, self-storage—the the only way I can do that is uh, I got really good, you know, I got really good people around me.
1: That's fantastic. I I think that's a great example of just how important your team is. And for all those people listening out there, is that surround yourself with people who I, I guess Dave are more knowledgeable than you in, in that specific area, whether it be property management or you know building a certain you know jig or rig on on, on site with your with your modular construction, or as you, I just didn't even realize in your ATM business, which it sounds fantastic. So tell me, I just when I when I hear all those people like yourself with so many different, you know, as I say, irons in the fire. It just, it screams to me, you know, business ecosystems and, and, and business opportunities. So it sounds like you're a type of guy that's constantly looking for the, for just the, the, the next great opportunity to invest in. Would that be correct?
0: Um, sort of, but I'm also very aware of that, you know, I mean, it takes a lot of effort and it takes a lot of time to find sure. a really, a really, really good team. Mm-hmm. And once I find a really really good team i I tend to like to do business with them over and over again,
1: right, so right.
0: even though you know we're involved in a in the self storage business you know and, and and you know with that said i'm i I found my team that I'm very comfortable with these guys are some of the best in the business and so I'm not out looking for another team to do business with I'm not out looking right. in you know in another area of the market to, to you know really do do business with, I, I like to stick to my core team and mm-hmm. leverage their expertise. You know, I, I love to do business with people that have their one thing. I'm more of a generalist. I like to invest in real assets, and hence mm-hmm. the name of my company, The Real Asset Investor. It does, right. you know, I'm not, you know, I, I don't just do multifamily, I don't just do self-storage, but I like to find people who, that's their one thing that's their core competency. They have the ten thousand hours, as Malcolm Gladwell would say you know they're they're the experts they right. put in the they put in the time they have the experience. I like to team up with people like that and and in my experience, that's been you know a big part of our success is teaming up with great people
1: and so it's it's all easy and to say an easy said than done to say, team up with great people. So what advice can you give to some of the, the guys starting out listening to this show who want to invest here in the United States about the types of criteria maybe that you've set up or the way in which you go about vetting out your, your quote unquote teams in order to be comfortable and, and, and want to invest your money with them?
0: Well, I, I get into a lot of deal flow and there's, there's, you know, a lot of people bring deals for me to look at. And the number one thing I may always push the deal aside and say, you know, I'm really not interested in a deal. I want to know who's behind the deal. Mm-hmm. Who are the who are the people behind the deal? If I don't know the people behind the deal, the chances of getting my attention or interest is pretty slim. Right. Um, now, if I have, you know, three or four people in my, network who say, man, I've been investing with these guys for the last 10 years and they rant and rave and, and can't say enough good things about it. Now, you know, that's still a different story. Right. So if, if, you know, number one thing I look for in a team is what have they done? I don't care. I don't care what they tell me. I don't care. You know, I don't care about, you know, initially, I don't really care about anything about what, you know, more than what have you done? What have you done in the last 10 years? Right. And uh, so if I can find somebody who's really good at what they do, who can highly recommended by, you know, either friend or mentor, or, or some of my advisory team, or, or even, you know, some of the guys in my network who who've invested with me, and, and they can, you know, put in a good word for these guys. Uh, you know, I'll pay attention to that point.
1: No, it's, I think it's fantastic. And, and exactly how anyone should approach doing business with anyone is, is who's the team behind the deal or the investment opportunity and how long have they been involved in that particular niche, whether it be self storage or multifamily or, or even um, ATMs by the sounds of it. But it's, it's, it's such an incredible um, thing to look back on. Have you made any mistakes that you've, you've wished, you wish you could do over again because of the wrong team that you've chosen? Of course.
0: This is uh you know, you don't get into you don't get into this business without making mistakes and wishing you could have some do-overs, but you know, uh yeah, I mean, early on, I got into I got into a deal, into a multifamily deal where I was uh, uh supposed to be the passive investor and and uh you know, it was a 72 unit deal, it's my first major multifamily purchase and mm-hmm. And I was the only syndicatee. I was the only investor in the, in, in the syndicated deal. You know, that was mistake number one. But so there was a lot of things I look back on, you know, that specific deal and I'm like, man, that was stupid, you know? <laughs> but, uh, you know, luckily some of those mistakes, a lot of those mistakes got made back when I was just using my own money mm-hmm. and not when I had, you know, like I do now where I syndicate deals and, and, uh, I've got investors money in the deal.
1: Right, 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 right. So could those mistakes have been avoided through different ways of management or was it just the deal was a bad deal?
0: Both. So, <laughs> so you know, incompetence, you know, lack of quality of the team, which then, yeah. I mean, they brought uh, the wrong asset in the wrong part of town, which, you know, again, reflects back on the quality of the team. I mean, it, right. you know, um, you know it, it was a deal that we bought in Memphis right well, we're we're still we're still buying buying deals in Memphis, and we do very well in Memphis and Memphis has been very good to us mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. but but today you know in the last couple of years we 're not buying in that in that part of town, so right. you know experience and and having a great team around you will not only will you make a lot of money and do very well in that space but it will they'll help you avoid making m- mistakes uh that you would make without the lack of team i mean here, here's here's a good broker to have on your team. If he talks you out of buying more properties, then he talks you into buying. That's that's the kind of broker you want on your team. I mean, he's he's highly motivated. He he gets paid when you buy, right? Right, right. So you so so a a broker with a short term, uh, you know, a short term thinking would sell you anything, you know, anything he can find, anything he can throw at you. But no, he. You know, I'll bring deals to him sometimes and he'll say, he'll tell me all the reasons why I shouldn't buy it. Right. And, uh, you know, he knows the area well. He's, he's, you know, the best broker in the city. and, And those are the kind, you know, those are the kind of guys you want on your team.
1: No, I think that's, that's a very p- good piece of advice. If you, if you have someone who's there and advisory, just making sure that you are not making the wrong step or the wrong move in order to grow your portfolio. So Dave, tell me a little bit about this deal in Belize. I would been dying at the introduction when I, when I said it, that you, you you've been involved in this construction of a M-
0: Mindeland Bay. Was that correct in, in Belize? So we are, uh, yeah, so it's in Ambergris Key, Belize. Mm-hmm. Um, Mahogany Bay Village is the name of the resort. I um, again, I got uh, I got involved in the deal because I knew the people on the team. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't running around Lancaster, Pennsylvania, trying to figure out how I could, <laughs> you know, take money to Belize. I found a team that I had done some business with that I really liked, that were competent, that I was really comfortable with. And when they said, "Hey, we're doing a deal in Belize," I said, "Well, if you guys are involved, at least." you know, at the very least want to go down and see what, you know, what's going on. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so I got involved, uh, I don't know, four and a half years ago. Wow. And, uh, so it, at that point it was, it was just dirt and a couple canals on 60, mm-hmm. on six, 67 acres. There was, uh, I think four homes there, uh, that were built by a, a prior development team that, uh, you know, decided to, to not do that anymore. Um, so, when I got involved, basically, it was just dirt, and uh, I really invested in the team. Um, right. And, you know, the quality of the team, uh, turns out, uh, is what attracted some other big players. We, we just opened the doors a few months ago, back on December 6th, as a Curio collection by Hilton. Wow. And uh, so that's the, that's the kind of things that you can expect when you've got an all-star team uh, around you and uh we've we've got an affiliation with um coastal living which is part of the time family on one part of the resort it's more around uh use and enjoyment mm-hmm. and lifestyle and then the hilton side of the resort is is built around an investor model so when you think about hilton it's not like a big you know 50 story concrete hilton building it's a bunch of different boutique it's a bunch of different homes and those homes are owned by investors mm-hmm. and and we're the lead investor at Mahogany Bay Village. So it's wow. been a lot of fun to be a part of and uh, it's fun to have it open and have guests stay in there. And and um, we've been down, we were down just a few weeks ago with a group of our investors and, and my CPA from uh, ProVision, Tim Gertz, mm-hmm. and uh, trying to get our mind wrapped around his new tax bill and uh, about seven, sixteen, seventeen business owners were were down there, and we had some good questions flying around on the beach at dinner around the pool, and uh, so yeah, it, it's been it's been a great experience and a lot of fun to be a part of.
1: That's it. That's incredible. And um, you say it took took four years to to get to opening. That's a uh, it's a it's a good chunk of time to get. I guess something is is remote as Belize, but maybe talk me through some of the investor updates or how you guys, you know, who found the deal? That's such a, a weird part of the world to go hunting. But I guess if you are hunting down there, you, you find anything, right?
0: Well, there is yes and no. I mean, there is, our team did a lot of due diligence in uh, the Caribbean and South America and, and uh, Central America. And, you know, a lot of the uh, things that really enticed us them to you know a lot of the things that really enticed it enti- you can edit that part out right yeah, yeah exactly a lot of the things that really enticed the team was being able to see into the future and see what right. was coming, and when you look at it you know two, three, five years later, you can see some of the things that were that they were talking about back then come into fruition i mean mm-hmm. you 're looking at you know record breaking um, tourist arrivals mm-hmm. every every year for the last you know five years. Um, you know, you're looking at big brands coming into the market. TripAdvisor calls it the number one island in the world, two years in a row. First time they ever had, uh, you know, called any place number one in the world, two years in a row. (laughs) Um, so you lot of, you know, Google just in the last couple of weeks came out with, uh, you know, the top 30 places where people are looking to invest in and, and Belize is number five on, on wow. Google's list. Wow. So, I mean, you got a lot, I mean, and you know, and that's just scratching the surface. Bloomberg came out with an article a couple of weeks ago. It's almost, almost monthly. You're seeing, you know, huge news organizations like that come out and mention Belize now. So it's, it's exciting to be on the front part of that wave and, you know, Definitely when you're an investor, when you're in a, a, a real estate investor, if you can get on the right side of a trend mm-hmm. and, and swim with the current, it, it makes your uh, experience a lot more enjoyable. So we experienced a lot of that in Belize.
1: Wow, that's fantastic. So I've got so many questions in and around that. Did you use a local construction team or did you bring an American construction construction team into the into the fold?
0: Um, so the management team is American. The management team is, is my partners and, and we actually... Um, have a manufacturing facility in mainland Belize. Mm-hmm. So we took the manufacturing where the, the the skilled craftsmen were. We took the we took our manufacturing uh, facility into the mainland where all the you know skilled craftsmen were. So we could you know do what we wanted to do without uh, shipping you know a hundred employees out onto the island <laughs> where your cost of living is a lot higher and right. where they're not with their families and all that. So we build a big uh, manufacturing facility and we actually build the homes in on the mainland and get them barged out hmm. in, in prefabricated or, or modular sections. And then we build them on site on the island.
1: Did you guys personally, your family's business had a, had a hand in that?
0: No. No, okay. that was that was totally unrelated. Okay, well, the future, the future endeavors, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, that's that's inc- that, that's that's really incredible. And you know, being a, I'm a nuts and bolts construction guy. I've been involved in construction management for over ten years. I love that sort of stuff. And how do you? It's problem solving. You got this remote island. How the hell do we get infrastructure on this island? Water, gas, power. Then build the, you know, the actual physical structures on it. It's a it's a big mammoth task to to undertake. And if your skill, if your labour you know, your labor pool's a shortage and I don't know what Belize is like, but it sounds like you guys got around it. But, it, it, you know, you can run into schedule issues and, you know, people on site and all that sort of stuff. So it's very, hats off to you all that you, you were able to figure it out because the construction risk is a real risk when you're coming to ground up construction. And as you know, being an investor in an, in an existing asset, which can, you know, you tweak the knobs and can cash flow from day one or, or ground up construction, the risk is, it's a completely different ball game. Right, and I, and I think that's that's a real listeners out there. If you're thinking I'm going to go ground up construction, think again. It's 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 the big boys' league. You got to roll up your sleeve. It's not for the faint-hearted, and there's so much other risk involved. Am, am, am I
0: correct? <laughs> well, when you when you look at any construction project, you're correct. Now, now you wrap the international piece around it. Now mm-hmm. you can now you can you know probably three X or five X. Right. You know all those things that can go wrong. So there's. There's graveyards in Belize for, you know, projects for, you know, entrepreneurs that tried to come in there and, and build, uh, you know, ground uh, do ground up development. Right. So, you know, it's hard. Yeah, That's it's hard. very hard. But again, you know, if you think it's important to have a team around you in the U.S. where you're buying, you know, partially stabilized assets, it's so much more important to have one offshore when you're doing ground up development for 100%
1: sure. who who, if you don't mind me asked um, finance the deal with international company or um, a local company to Belize
0: no it's it's funded primarily by um, investors oh by, wow. okay it, so that was
1: an equity portion right
0: oh yeah yeah oh, no wow. no and and you know one of the risks one of the biggest risks in a development project is you know what happens if there's a change in the market. You know mm-hmm. you got financing. You got, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, the stuff happens. Right. Well, we took that part of the risk out of the deal because this, you know, the 200 homes that got built in there for Hilton, they're built in cash. Mm. So there is there there is no financing. So that removed a big part of the risk. Mm-hmm. You know. On stabilization, once we, you know, once we get up to ninety percent occupancy and we have a, a good long track record, six to twelve months track record of of doing that, you know, there will be financing and we'll be able to, you know, refinance our cash back out and and uh, you know expand down there or do, you know, do whatever we wanna do. But yeah, that took a big part of the risk out is by, you know, keeping the bank out of it and just Funding it primarily by private investors like private
1: ourselves. investors. That's that's a that's a very interesting way of doing it. And and and, and I'm right by saying that there was a debt side, a debt e- portion that you could invest in, or a equity portion you could invest in. There were different tiers? Were there?
0: No, at this point, no. It's okay, all it's all cash.
1: Sorry, when I meant tiers, I mean. Um, um, people could come in at you know um, you know they, they they act as the bank or you could sit in a higher more riskier position but you get a higher return so there's tier two tier three and then obviously the highest position which is the most riskiest the top of the equity stack which is hopefully the developer who's the last person to, to leave the ship if anything went went south
0: no scratch it's- the scratch the financing there is <laughs> there is no leverage so there's two ways to get involved one you went in and bought a home by yourself mm-hmm cash Mm -hmm. or two you got into syndication and that's what we did right We, we created a syndication and it would take you know three lots with you know anywhere from six to nine homes on them and we'd create a you know a, a pool, two, two to 4 million dollar syndication and then mm-hmm. 10 15 20 people came together and funded that deal that's how the, that's that's got how it, it got built out so those are the two ways you could get involved mm-hmm. but none none of it included any kind of financing from a bank right, or or right. Or, a, or, a, or a financial institution
1: and, and are the people getting a return on their money throughout the hold period or once you've refi that's when that's when the money starts to be re, uh, come come back to investors
0: well, there's two ways. Yeah. So obviously now that there's guests staying in it since December sixth, there'll be, you know, cash distributions going back to investors. But yeah, then after we, you know, after we're stabilized for a certain period of time, then we'll bring financing in and most likely a, a US based financial institution. Right. Right. And then we'll be able to finance our cash back out.
1: Fantastic. Well, Dave, I know your time is very precious, so I don't want to keep you any much longer, but I want to end the show by asking you to get into your top five investing tips. You ready to dive into it? Sure. What is the daily habit that you practice to keep on track towards your goals, if you have a daily habit?
0: Well, yeah, you didn't give me any warning here so I'm thinking on the fly. <laughs> Daily habit. Uh one of the things I like to do is write down uh either the the night before or the morning of uh, write down some of the tasks that are most important that really right. need to get done. It's yep. really easy to come into work and just dive into your emails and, you know, uh take care of some of the things that are screaming at you and that, you know, that you really need to take care of at some point, but if you, I've found, if you do that too much, you sort of wander all over the place and and you know do things that are necessary, but not do things that are that are super important to advance your your overall overarching goal. Right. So I like to sort of make a note and 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 in order of of importance, if I can make uh, you know a list of things that need to get done and just then just bang out that list. That's been very helpful to me.
1: No, I think creating a list is so important. As you said, you can sometimes get caught up with the noise of it all, right? You just go dive into emails and do this and that. And you don't actually get focused on maybe the two or three tasks you actually do need to get focused on. And it just gets all in the noise. So I think it's a very, very uh, incredible piece of advice. Who is the most influential person in your career to date?
0: Oh man, there's a couple. Um, There is... um as far as people that I've learned from, from their reading materials and their teachings, I would have to say probably Robert Kiyosaki. Right. Yep. For, for, for as people that I've been around, um, and been part of their group and their inner circle, I would say Robert Helms and Russell Gray. Mm-hmm. I've got, I've got a, a, a mentor that sits, that's on my advisory team. His name is Bill Poole. He's a local guy here in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. he's, He's been uh, just a great guy uh, to have on my team, and and run stuff by him, and I can always count on his uh, wisdom and experience. Uh, so I'll I'll go with those. Uh, I'll those go three. with those four.
1: yeah. Oh, I four. Yeah, right. couldn't count. Awesome stuff, mate. You talked a lot about teams today, what is the most influential tool? And it could be digital, it could be a hard, you know, your phone, it could be a piece of software, it could actually be a person, but who is the most, what is the most influential tool in your real estate business?
0: Well, I'm not, uh, I'm not a tech guy. I, you know, when I talk about a list, we're not talking about Google Docs and <laughs> you know, Excel spreadsheets. We're talking about pen and paper. Yep. So, you know, if I was to say an app, I would say my financial calculator. Yep. Something I think- where I can throw the numbers on and figure out, okay, here's my monthly payments. Here's what it looks like if we go with this percentage interest. Here's what we go to look like if we go with a certain amortization. I would, I would say a financial calculator.
1: Fantastic. What's been also? What I say? What is the? What does the future hold for you, both personally and financially, moving forward into twenty eighteen and beyond?
0: You know, I. Fortunately, this job, is one that I hope to be able to do when I'm ninety years old. (laughs) You know, this job is not a physical job. It's a job where, yeah, it it requires you to stay sharp mentally. it requires you to build great relationships. Um, so I would say I, I want to be doing what I'm doing now when I'm 90 years old.
1: 90 years old. Fantastic. I think that's a great way to look at it and leave a legacy of, of, of incredible investments and, 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 and incredible happy people in your, in your syndications. Right.
0: You know, I, I've, I've reached every financial goal that I've ever set and I, you know, when I look at what I do and what really brings me uh, joy is when um, I can deliver value to my group of investors that have been investing with me a long time. Also, I, I really like to, I really like to uh, introduce somebody to the investing world and give them another uh, perspective on investing outside of the conventional. Um, right investing realm like Wall Street and 401ks and that kind of stuff. Right. So that, I gives, think, that, that gives me a lot of pleasure.
1: I think that's incredible. And my final question for you today, David, is where can people reach you to continue the conversation? They want to learn a little bit more about you. They want to learn a little bit more about the, the deal in Belize and just be in your sphere. How can they do that?
0: So you can send me an email at Dave Zook, D-A-V-E-Z-O-O-K, at the realassetinvestor.com. Dave Zook at the realassetinvestor.com. There are several uh reports. There are several, depending on the, the type of asset that you're interested in. If you're if you're coming in and saying, Man, ATM sounds really interesting, I got a lot of uh really good educational material to to kind of you know, wrap your mind around to to uh say, you know, wow, this is something that I wanna, you know maybe get involved in or this sounds really interesting. If you want a self-storage uh, report, I, I can educate you on the self-storage side. So I got a lot of free reports. You can go to our website at therealassetinvestor.com look at some of the different assets that we invest in mm-hmm. and uh, if it looks interesting to you, send me an email. Uh, we got a whole report. I did, a, rep, I did a, a webinar on our Belize project with Robert Helms uh, a few months ago. I got that report. I'd be happy to send it out to you. So just send an email to Dave Zook at the RealAssetInvestor.com, and I'll make sure that you get uh, a response.
1: Fantastic. Well, Dave, I want to thank you for taking some time out of your day. Um, But I just want to quickly summarize some of the big takeaway learnings that I have, you know, took away from our conversation. I think the biggest thing that the underlying theme for today was establishing the best team around you. And I I think you are a guy that is, you know, has had such so much success because you've surrounded yourself with the right team. You've gone through the correct vetting processes. Uh, in order to sort of get those right teams in the different areas that you're investing in. ATMs, uh, you're investing in Belize, you're investing in self-storage, you're investing in multifamily, you have your, your personal business with with your dad uh, and your three brothers. Uh, there's five things on my hand that I've just mentioned, and I'm sure there's a, a myriad of other things that you're doing, but you're all surrounding yourself with, the, in each and every one of you, you're surrounding yourself with incredible teams. Uh, and, and something, as you said earlier in the piece, that, You don't have to be that expert in property management or in ground up construction or in whatever it might be, but you're getting the right person involved in your team in order to advise you to do the right, to make the right decision. Uh, Have have I summarized that correctly?
0: (laughs) That is absolutely the most important part. The team is the most important part. You know, if I would spend, if I would invest, you know, 10,000 hours into any one of those asset classes, I would imagine I could get pretty good at it. Right. And, uh, you know, but I would have to devote a big part of my life Mm -hmm. uh, to to that specific asset class. And I just, you know, early on, I just decided why not shortcut the process (laughs) and bring somebody on board that already has the 10,000 hours, that has a really good reputation, that has a good long track record of success, that has, you know, done business with people in my uh, sphere of influence. And, you know, when you can do that, You'll shortcut the process and and avoid a lot of expensive mistakes as well. <laughs> I
1: can imagine. I can imagine. Well, mate, thank you so much for dropping by. Enjoy the rest of your week and we'll catch up soon.
0: Thank you, Reed. I enjoyed it. Well, there you have it. Another great
1: episode jam-packed with some incredible actionable advice and some awesome takeaway tips. If you do have any questions for Dave, please jump on my website because all the show notes will be up there at reedgoosens.com. But please remember to reach out to Dave to learn anything and everything about what he does. Really, really, truly incredible man. Thank you again for taking some time out of your day to continue to grow your financial IQ because that's what we're all about here on this show. And we're going to do this all again next week. So be safe, take care and happy investing you <laughs>